Shalom. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Emmaus Road Fellowship, where we encounter Yeshua in the scriptures. Check out our website at walkingemmausroad.org, where you'll find additional teachings and information on visiting us in Kingwood, Texas. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving to support Emmaus Road's mission of spreading the good news of the kingdom. May God grant you shalom in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. The word of the Lord is being spoken here, not just to us, but to all of creation. How often is the word of the Lord read in the presence of these trees and all this creation? And the scripture says that all creation cries out for the sons of God to be revealed. Right? Do you believe that life is being imparted? even to the trees and to the grass, as the word of the Lord is being spoken and revealed. It's a beautiful thing, even as we worship before. I mean, we're worshiping out just in the presence. I mean, you know, God's presence is everywhere, of course, right? But there's different aspects of beauty that we can behold. It will open our eyes to see it. If we'll take the time to, to ponder. And during this time of Sukkot, when we're coming out here to camp, you know what we've just done? We've left all of our regular responsibilities behind. We're actually creating a space to encounter God in a deeper way. And He has set this time to encounter us in a deeper way. So praise God for your faithfulness for His faithfulness, and that His loving kindness does endure forever. Praise God. And this is all about restoration, right? That's what Sukkot is looking forward to. It's the fullness of the restoration where God reigns and His name is one. Amen. Get a foretaste. Foretaste this morning. Let's, let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks and praise and glory for your name, for this time in your presence. Lord, we love you and we exalt you. We are so happy to be in your presence and to rest in the peace that you bring. We declare your beauty and we ask you to speak to us this morning. And reveal yourself to us in the name of Yeshua. Amen. A few different things. We're going to start out in Zechariah. Zechariah 14 is our hafter of portion for today. And I'm just going to read a, a segment of it here. Verses 16 through 19. The scripture says, Then it will come about that any who are left of all the nations that went against Jerusalem will go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to celebrate the Feast of Booths. And it will be that whichever of the families of the earth does not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain on them. And if the family of Egypt does not go up or enter, then no rain will fall on them. It will be the plague which with which the Lord smites the nations who do not go up to celebrate the Feast of Booths. This will be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all the nations who do not go up to celebrate the Feast of Booths. In that day there will be inscribed on the bells of the horses, Holy to the Lord, and the cooking pots in the Lord's house will be like the bowls before the altar. And every cooking pot in Jerusalem and in Judah will be holy to the Lord of hosts, 
and all who sacrifice will come and take of them and boil in them, and there will no longer be a Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts in that day. So this is speaking of the, the messianic era, right? When Yeshua reigns as king, and all the nations will come up to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Booths. Now, that doesn't mean that they won't also acknowledge God in his other appointed times. But specifically in this one, if you think about what is taking place with God establishing his kingdom in greater measure than we than we have today, setting up Yeshua as reigning as king over all and bringing peace to the entire earth, that's the beginning of the completion of the restoration, right? So I mean, we're, we're within the whole framework of the restoration. God's been working it out from the beginning. But when we get there, we've gone to a whole new level. And it will be a great redemption for the world. It will be a healing for the nations to have Yeshua reigning as king and having the Torah go forth from Zion, right? And so all the nations will be blessed by his rule and his reign manifest on the earth. And... It's celebrated in this time. So it will be the time to go up and worship the Lord, just as the Passover is remembered as the exodus from Egypt, the redemption from slavery. And and then through Yeshua, the redemption from sin and death. So I, I just see it being a, a great remembrance and a great joy for the nations who will go up, right? Apparently there will be some who are trying not to, but uh, may they hear and repent. <laughs> okay, so so we are celebrating this time, and I want to read from Leviticus, from our Torah portion, Leviticus 23, a few verses on the command for celebrating Sukkot. So Leviticus 23, verse 33. Again, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, On the fifteenth of this seventh month is the Feast of Booths for seven days to the Lord. On the first day is a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work of any kind. For seven days you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall have a holy convocation and present an offering by fire to the Lord. It is an assembly. You shall do no laborious work. Now, that section that we just read, caps off the original, like the summary of God's appointed times, okay? And then in this next verse, in verse 37, kind of summing that up, it says, These are the appointed times of the Lord, which you shall proclaim as holy convocation, to present offerings by fire to the Lord, burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and libations, each day's matter on its own day, besides those of the Sabbaths of the Lord, and besides your gifts, and besides all your votives and freewill offerings, which you give to the Lord. Now, then it goes right back into the commands for Sukkot in verse 39. On exactly the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the crops of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord for seven days with a rest on the first day and a rest on the eighth day. Now on the first day, you shall take for yourselves the foliage of beautiful trees, palm branches and bows of leafy trees and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. You shall thus celebrate it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall live in booths for seven days, 
All the native born in Israel shall live in booths, so that your generations may know that I caused the sons of Israel to live in booths when I brought them out from the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses declared this to the sons of Israel the appointed times of the Lord. Okay, so you know, going up through verse 36, all the appointed times had been detailed from Sabbath to Passover to Shavuot to Sukkot. And then we see the summary, and then we go right back in to highlight Sukkot again. And speaking of the joy, okay, speaking of, well, okay, so if we look at it in, uh, in order, it says, when you have gathered in the crops of the land, right, the agricultural year has come to a completion, all the crops have been gathered in, and now you begin to celebrate the Feast of the Lord for seven days, okay, and the first day is a rest day, and the eighth day is a rest day. That sounds funny, right? Because the scripture says that the festival of Sukkot is to be celebrated seven days, but you shall rest on the first day and the eighth day. So we got a little something interesting going on there. And then, uh, and then it says to bring the foliage of these beautiful trees and rejoice for seven days, right? And so let's bring these four species that we talked about earlier together. Bring them together worshiping the Lord and pouring out water on the on the altar, right? All this is coming together. So you have the species, you have the unity, you have God's water being poured on the altar. And I'm really going somewhere with this. Um, <laughs> um, and so and we're told to rejoice. So we have the harvest. Right? This can be talking about the agricultural harvest, but this also, on a more macro scale, can be looking at the harvest of God's people is complete. Right? And he brings all these various species together, all these unique identities together as one before him, right? To worship in one accord, in unity. And so, and then you have the pouring out of the water, right? The water can be related to the Holy Spirit, and it can also be related to the Torah, right? When you, And we're going to talk some about the water being poured out as the Holy Spirit and the revelation of God to all of the world. Okay, so we've been told to... Well, we've been said, told here in the Scripture as well that God caused... Israel to dwell in booths, right? He made them to dwell in booths. Now, this can be interpreted of he told them to build booths and live in them, right? Or it can be that he caused his divine presence to overshadow them such that they did dwell in Sukkot. Okay, so when we talk about the clouds of glory, this is the idea that God's presence did cover over the children of Israel in the wilderness. Just as he was a cloud by day and a fire by night, he was also clouds of glory encompassing them, causing them to dwell in his presence. And when you think about what's going to happen in the end of the age, right, and the restoration of the world and God dwelling with man, we're dwelling in his clouds of glory, but even to a greater degree, right? So we're looking forward to that. So when we when we put up the sukkah, right, we're having earth engage heaven 
and heaven engage earth. And so when we when we sit in the sukkah and we have meals, or even just come in to say the blessing, we're coming in, we're creating a space of saying, Lord, we want to dwell in your clouds of glory. And so when you do this, it's not just going in and saying, well, okay, I'm sitting in the sukkah. You can, you know, that would be a fulfillment of the commandment, right? But then to see the deeper beauty and what God is wanting to reveal to us and to engage in this mystical, spiritual aspect and say, I want to be totally overshadowed and filled with this Holy Spirit, with God's presence, such that he overflows out from me and covers me, right? That's what our desire is. So when we go into the sukkah, be bearing that in mind, right? And then, let's see. So the clouds of glory. Um, throughout the coat, we have different readings. Tomorrow's readings will come from First Kings, and it will speak about King Solomon and his uh, inauguration of the temple and how the, the clouds of glory filled the the temple such that no one could even enter. It's like what happened in the wilderness too, where with the inauguration of the tabernacle, the clouds of glory came on so heavy that not even Moses could go in. Right? Think about that with the whole world. Of course, from Jerusalem, but spilling over, right? And to be a part of that, to see that May we see it. May we see it. Okay, in Isaiah 4, 5 through 6, the scripture says, Then the Lord will create over the whole area of Mount Zion and over her assemblies a cloud by day, even smoke and the brightness of a flaming fire by night. For all the, glor for all the glory will be a canopy. There will be a sukkah to give shade from the heat by day and refuge and protection from the storm and the rain. Right? So that's God. Covering us over with Yeshua reigning. Okay, so the seventh day I spoke about is Hoshana Rabbah, the day when during the water libation, the 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 uh, area is circled seven times, and then you have the the pouring out of the water. Prince with the seven days of circling the demons. Would that translate farther into? Uh, it, it can definitely be a, a connection to it. Right. Yeah, they marched around it once each day and then seven times around and then the, the walls fell. So yes, there's a, there's a connection with God removing the enemy. Right. And the, and the barriers such that his people can receive their inheritance and dwell in peace. Right? I mean, they had to go take it, right? Our, our, our faith is an active faith, right? It is an active uh, participation in the kingdom being expanded. So the walking around, as you're saying, was part of Israel partnering with God in bringing about his victory. And then he brought this victory through the tearing down of the walls and then the children of Israel went up and took it, right? So yeah, it's a beautiful connection, right? Absolutely. And then, you know, with the aspect of seven days um, of celebrating Sukkot, and, you know, you have your weekly Sabbath, you have your six days that represent the 6,000 years of creation, and then you have your seventh day, which represents the seventh millennium, which will be the the, the messianic era, 
And then after that, you have the eighth day, which is the world, the world to come, right? And that's the renewal. That's the new beginning when all things, every tear has been wiped away and God's dwelling is with man, right? And so that's why it, with Sukkot, the eighth day is a rest day because you've completed the seventh, the seventh being this great, this Hoshana Rabbah, this great salvation, this messianic era that completes the restoration. And now the day after that, you got your new beginning of the world to come and you rest on it to give glory to God in anticipation and proclamation that he will fulfill his promises and complete his restoration, his great salvation. Yeah. So, at the time of the water drawing ceremony, I'm going to read this from the Talmud. I would love to have seen this. Yeah. I would love to have seen the rejoicing and the joy. I mean, if you remember back to... I'm sorry? Okay. If you remember back to uh, Rosh Hashanah, when we sounded the shofar 100 times, and then we all sounded our shofars together and shouted unto the Lord. We all made our teruah. It was joyous. There was glory in the midst of that, right? Now imagine the temple full of worshipers shouting unto the Lord and waving their lulavim, right? It would have been overwhelming. Rabbis juggling fire. Yeah. What would be going on? It was a huge celebration. Huge celebration. Dancing. Yeah. yeah. And and so we're we're gonna try to get some music going here at some point. And I want to see everybody out there dancing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> required. It's, it's commanded. Yeah. Right? Well. Okay. Diego, 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 Diego just... said he's gonna juggle the fire for us. So. Okay. Well, good. Good. <laughs> It'd be amazing. And in the ah, I just love the idea of the open gates of Yom Kippur too and ah how the Lord just wants to reveal himself to us. He wants us with him. They shall build a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them or within them is another translation. Right? So the Talmud describes this ceremony. As this, it says, He who has not seen the rejoicing at the place of the water drawing has never seen rejoicing in his life. At the conclusion of the first festival day of tabernacles, they descended to the court of the women where they had made a great enactment. There were golden, there, there were golden candlesticks and with four golden bowls on the top of each of them and four ladders to each and four, uh, Four youths drawn from the priestly stock, in whose hands were held jars of oil. There was not a courtyard in Jerusalem that was not illumined by the light of the place of the water drawing. So they'd light these huge lights, and it would spread out as far as you could see. And people from a great distance could see the light coming forth from the temple, right? And those candlesticks were 75 feet tall. 75 feet tall. That's why they sent youths up there. One, because they had the energy and they didn't fear. I mean, the older people were like, I'm not climbing that. Eight years old. Eight years old? Yep. Okay. And they used the old priestly garments as the wicks. Ah, beautiful. 
even today, really they're lighting the fires now, and if you go around, they're partying all night. And we went to take a picture once with this youthful congregation. The lights are everywhere. They're just dancing and shouting. And there were orbs all on this picture. It was just, mm. it was just, it was like glory. Wow. It was like seeing this kind of glory. I mean, God, Praise it's God. resting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's really cool. So now then this, this goes on to say, it says, Men of piety, you know, and, and good deeds used to dance before them with lighted torches in their hands and sing songs and praises. See, guys, it's okay to dance. Woo! Yeah. Okay, and then, and Levites without number with harps, lyres, cymbals, and trumpets and other musical instruments were there upon the 15 steps leading down from the court of the Israelites to the court of the women, corresponding to the 15 songs of ascents in the Psalms. So anyway, wow, it would have been incredible to behold. And so this, this ceremony refers, this water drawing ceremony refers to Isaiah 12, 12 through 3. It says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For God the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has been my salvation. You will joyfully draw water from the wells of salvation. Right? That's Abdullah right there. That's the intro. Hine el Yishwati. Right? Behold, God is my salvation. And with joy, you will draw water from the wells of Yeshua. Okay? That's the word for salvation. You'll draw water. You'll draw water from the wells of Yeshua. Okay? Which, of course, is strongly related to the word Yeshua. It's very, very, very close. Yep. Okay, so again, one of the names name for Shana Rabbah is Great Salvation. And it's said that the water drawing was accompanied by a great awareness of godliness to the degree that it said with the, along with the water, people would draw prophetic revelation. You draw prophetic revelation in the midst of this great celebration and the pouring of the waters. Okay? So, that leads us into more of the ceremony, right? We talked about how on this Hoshana Rabbah, the seventh day, they would circle the bima seven times with everyone in an uproar and excited and, and shouting to the Lord. And then when the priest went, to pour the water libation, everything would go quiet. Okay, and that's that brings us to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verse 37. Okay, the scripture says, Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, so this is speaking of Hoshana Rabbah, Yeshua stood and cried out, saying, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who had believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Yeshua was not yet glorified. So this outpouring of the Spirit that was to come through the work of Yeshua, had not yet come, but it was speaking of it, of it coming. The, the spirit had been has been active through all time, right? But this outpouring of the spirit, as a result of the work, the death and resurrection of Yeshua, was a whole new level 
right? And so this, when he was speaking of, of this, he was speaking of what was to come. But it was at that moment, when everything was silent, that Yeshua stood up and said this, right? He was giving prophetic revelation to the people to hear that he was the well of salvation, the well of Yeshua, that they would draw water from, right? That they would receive the water from. As I mentioned earlier, this water symbolizes the spiritual revelation that would be poured out in that day. In Isaiah 2, 3, it says, For the Torah will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Right? Okay, the Torah and water, the Holy Spirit and water. Habakkuk 2, 14 says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as waters cover the sea. Right? So that there's, a, there's an image of the revelation and the glory of God covering all of the earth. And in Jeremiah 31, the scripture says, They will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. So again, speaking of this great revelation that will come in the day of Yeshua's reign, and that the knowledge of the Lord will fill the earth. Okay. Now, I'm going to come back around to the Lulav, okay? So we got this idea of the water being poured out in the temple. We've got the Lulavim being waved. We've got prophetic revelation of Yeshua saying that he's going to pour out the Spirit. Okay? And he speaks of living waters flowing out from him. Right? Now this passage, I was hearing a teaching from uh, Daniel Lancaster of First Fruits of Zion. And I'm only going to give like a little highlight of this. So this is worth looking into on your own separately but he was questioning you know is our translation of this passage that we read from John 7:37 accurate or can it be understood uh, another way because he said that the the way the greek is written it can be put together different ways okay so when we, when i read it earlier it was if any man's thirsty let him come to me and drink he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And that's all treated as a direct quote. Okay, but there's another way of translating it. Which could be, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and let him drink whoever believes in me. To where it becomes a parallel passage where Yeshua is making the, a parallel statement where he says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and let him drink whoever believes in me. Okay? And then, that's the end of the statement, followed by John then giving an explanation to say, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. So it's separating the believing the coming to drink. Well, it's separating where the, the living waters are coming from. Yes. It's just, now it's not, oh, I believe, so now the living waters are flowing through me. It's he's the fountain, and we're coming to him because we believe, and he's the fountain of all of the living water. Exactly. Exactly. It, it shifts where is our source, and where does our, where do we drink from? Where do we receive from? He's still the well of salvation. And in this context, it becomes not that the waters come from me, Right? But the waters come from him into me and overflow. 
So I'm not the fountain. I'm not the well. But I am a storehouse. Right? One is to overflow. So it puts the focus on him. Right? Now, Yeshua is the well of salvation. And he sends the Holy Spirit. Right? And so we receive that living water to fill us up. But there's a, a problem here. Because in the scripture it says... It says, as the scripture says, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Normally that would be a direct quote of a passage of scripture. But there is no scripture that lines up with that directly. And so it becomes a, you say, well, then what was it? Right? Because he's not just making stuff up. John's not just saying, well, this sounds good. Let me say it. He's drawing it from somewhere. And so it's possible that he was using a, a targum or a summary of scripture to give an illustration and there's a couple of verses here in Zechariah 14 verse 8 through 9 it says in that day living waters will flow out of Jerusalem half of them toward the eastern sea and the other half toward the western sea it will be in summer as well as in winter and the Lord will be king over all the earth in that day the Lord will be the only one and his name the only one right the Lord will be one and his name one so in, in that case, the scripture was saying, living waters will flow out of Jerusalem. Okay? In Ezekiel 47, am I going long? No. Still doing okay? Okay. Um, Ezekiel 47. Okay, I'm just going to read verses 1 through 12. I don't want to try to scan it here. Then he brought back, okay, so the Lord has sent an angel to reveal to Ezekiel what the third temple will look like, right? That's the setting here of Ezekiel 47. He says, Then he brought me back to the door of the house, and behold, water was flowing from under the threshold of the house toward the east, for the house faced east. And the water was flowing down from under, from the right side of the house, from south of the altar. Now the house in Hebrew is Habayit, which is the temple. Okay? So the water is flowing from the temple here in Ezekiel 47. Let's see, okay, so I'm actually going to skip forward. So it talks about how they were measuring and the depth was increasing and increasing of the water. And, and now in verse 7, Now when I had returned, behold, on the bank of the river there were very many trees on the one side and on the other. And then he said to me, These waters go out toward the eastern region and go down into the Arabah. Then they go toward the sea, being made to flow into the sea, and the waters of the sea become fresh. Right, this life coming forth. And it will come about that every living creature which swarms in every place where the river goes will live. And there will be very many fish, for these waters go there, and the others become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. And it will come about that fishermen will stand beside it from Angedi to Enaglime. There will be a place for the spreading of nets. Their fish will be according to their kinds, like the fish of the great sea, very many. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. And by the river on its bank, on one side and on the other, will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. They will bear every month, because their water flows from the sanctuary, and their fruits will be food, and their leaves for healing. Yeah, and so... So here we have 
the waters flowing from the temple, specifically flowing from Jerusalem, from the temple, and they bring life to everything they come in contact with. And what does it say? It's talking about the fish in the sea, and that they will stand and they will cast nets to get a great harvest. What did Yeshua say? He said, come and be fishers of men. Right? This is talking about the harvest. This is talking about the kingdom and this restoration and this renewal and this living water flowing from the belly of the temple, from the heart of Jerusalem, to bring forth life. The great ingathering of all the nations. The great ingathering of all nations, which is one of the things of Sukkot, right? The ingathering. Yes, the festival of ingathering. And then there are these trees, trees of life, which give leaves and fruit. The leaves for healing and fruit for food. What are we waving at the time of Sukkot? We're leaving. We're waving leaves and fruit before the Lord. And this talks about the harvest being according to their kinds. It's the many coming together as one into the kingdom. Beautiful. Um, and then, of course, we we have as well from Revelation. Actually, I'm sorry, in Joel three eighteen. And in that day, the mountains will drip with sweet wine, and the hills will flow with milk. And all the brooks of Judah will, will flow with water, and a spring will go out from the house of the Lord to water the valley of Shittim. So, I mean, multiple times the scripture is saying that this water is flowing from Jerusalem, flowing from the temple. And so, when Yeshua says that from his belly will flow rivers of living water, he probably wasn't saying from, he could have been. Okay, so it can be translated both ways, because... The, the word for his and it are the same. Okay? So the waters would flow from his belly, from Yeshua, the well of salvation, or from its belly, from its center, from the house, the temple, from Jerusalem. Both translations work. Right? And that's those are the ones where the scripture says, out of its belly, out of Jerusalem, out of the house will flow the rivers of living water. So I think that's what he was talking about. Now we know that it works still for Yeshua because Yeshua was a picture of the temple. He said, destroy this temple and, and in three days I will raise it up. Right? So he was the he was the temple. He was the, the temple who was taken in place of the people. Right? For when the people of Israel sin, God will have mercy on them by taking a pledge in their place. So God destroys the temple and sends the people into exile rather than destroying the people. And so then when you look at Yeshua, God was pleased to crush him so that he would take on all of our iniquity. Right? And so that he gave his life in our place. And God did that as a preservation of us that we might live and he might pour out his spirit on us and he might draw us to him. Beautiful. Okay, so... So there we have it here. You know, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and let him drink whoever believes in me. As the scripture has said, out of its center will flow rivers of living water. And, and in all these passages, when we're talking about water flowing from the temple, we're talking about the messianic era. We're talking about the age to come. Right? So there's this, when we're waving the lulav, we can imagine ourselves as being by the waters with the Holy Spirit. And we are declaring and proclaiming prophetically 
the coming of the messianic era and God's kingdom and dominion covering over, over all the earth. So within all these activities, they're not just, I did whatever it was. There's deep and beautiful meaning to it. It's for us to find it and to engage and to meet our creator in the midst of it. So when we dwell in the sukkah, we're in his clouds of glory. When we're waving those branches, we're proclaiming the unity of the believers and proclaiming the day in which the waters will flow forth from Jerusalem and the tr and it will give life and the leaves will bring healing. Think about the healing that comes when we come together in unity. The leaves are for healing. The unity is for healing. And it's for all nations. It's for all nations, as it says in Revelation 22, 1 through 5. It says, Then he showed me a river of the, of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb in the middle of its street. On either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and there will no longer be any night, and they will not have need of the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illumine them, and they will reign forever and ever. So we rejoice. We rejoice because our Messiah is coming. His kingdom is established, and it is being established. Praise God for his revelation, for his restoration. And his faithfulness to us. Anybody else have anything that you wanted to share? So one, one more one more story from tradition on a lighthearted note to give you something alternate you can do with your etrog is if you go back there was a time uh, during the temple days when the uh, the high priest at the time was a Sadducee and when he went in again everyone was ready for the water libation the whole celebration had gone on he went up with the water to the altar and instead of pouring the water on the altar because the Sadducees were not a fan of this tradition he poured it on the ground and the people caused an uproar and the people just started to Kelson basically stoned him with her etrogs. So if Chris gets out of line, that's so funny that you told that. I, I, I saw that coming the moment you said lighthearted. I'm like, oh no. And I know I've done something wrong already, so you know I'm prepared. Hang on. Alright, let's let's pray. So Father, we love you and we bless you. We give you thanks and praise. Lord, we rejoice in your season of rejoicing. Lord, we want to connect with your heart. We want to see what you see. We want to see your vision for your people. We want to see your vision for the world, for this nation, for our community, for each of our families. And Lord, we want to see your glory revealed as we seek you. And glorify your name. Help us, Lord, to lay aside that which does stand as an obstacle to us, Lord. As we circle around you this week, as we dwell in your clouds of glory, may we connect with you in new and deeper ways. May your glory be revealed in us, and may your light shine in us and through us, that others would see our good works and glorify you who are our Father in heaven. In the name of Yeshua, amen. amen. Thank you for joining us. 
If you enjoyed this message, please consider sharing it with a friend or family member and help us out by giving a review on iTunes or other podcast platform. Check out our website at walkingemmausroad.org for additional teachings and information about visiting Emmaus Road in Kingwood, Texas. Thank you.